For the Peterson Automotive Museum, this is Car Stories. My name is AJ. Today I'm joined with J.G. Francis, who is a Mercedes-Benz restorer, and uh, you specialize in 70s, 80s diesel mostly, is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Cool. I'm, I'm very excited to ask you a bunch of nerdy diesel Mercedes <laughs> questions and restoration right. questions, but uh, I guess before we get that far into it, let's go back to... You know, the start for you, and what is your earliest automotive memory? <laughs> oh, man, I just had this question not that long ago. Um, I don't know. It's hard to put it. It's hard to remember that exactly. But uh, um, thinking back, it's either my my dad's, uh, gosh, I guess it must have been a 1970, I'm going to botch this, 1977 uh grand marquee okay that had some like royal purple blue grand marquee a big sure. funny 70s car that didn't really i guess it fit my dad he was like the immigrant greek guy so he kind of looked he like looked pretty good in that car but um uh so i do remember that and i remember you know sitting on his lap and pretending to drive or he'd let me drive the 7-eleven you know while he pushed the pedals and i steered it so that's probably my oldest um car memory that i can can think of i must have been four or something like that your dad immigrated from greece was he a fan of and i i'm going someplace with this (laughs) okay was he a fan of sort of all things american did he like american stuff yeah coming here yeah so he was uh you know first generation here um well that's not true my my grandparents came here but uh my dad was part of the you know sort of leave Greece behind and total Americana. Because like, I would yeah. say a, a Grand Marquis, a 77 Grand yeah. Marquis is about as American car <laughs> right. as you could get. And, yeah. And I knew people, I knew people who would come here from like uh, Holland and Greece and, and uh, England. And they would always say, like, Oh, the first thing you go out and do is you go buy the biggest <laughs> american like you know the biggest cadillac the right. biggest ford yeah uh, just these land yachts so i right. was wondering if that was also the case for your father yeah i mean my dad's he was he was pretty old when he had me so my dad at that point in time must have been like he was 40 something so he had had a few cars before then but um yeah you're totally correct in, in saying that like you know he raised me in a very uh I hate to say it, like the very American way. Yeah. Where <laughs> yeah. where was this? Where were you growing uh, up? I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, but my father is from Akron, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And what, uh, were you a car guy from that point on? I mean, did you uh, grow up into cars? No, I didn't really grow up in cars. I was, I was pretty athletic as a kid. I was into, you know, bicycles and I, BMXing was sort of my thing as a kid. I played soccer. I played football and you know tennis every sport you could think of so i was really athletic and cars were kind of in the background for me uh i was definitely mechanically pretty inclined uh, from the beginning you know i i definitely remember doing all kinds of stuff around the house as a kid you know trying to like learn how to teach myself how to how to build stuff taking that stuff apart put it back together yeah how it works yeah so what what sort of when did the car bug uh, the car bug, um, probably, I mean, 
I'd say it bit me when I was about 16. A friend of mine, you know, when I got my driver's license. Yeah. And a friend of mine had an old Volkswagen bus, and he was a little bit older than us. So for about a year, I was kind of cruising around with him before I was old enough to drive. And then another friend of mine got, got a Volkswagen bus, and then, you know, my dad eventually said, hey, I want to get you your first car. You've got 1800 bucks. What do you want to do with it? And so I went out and got a 64 um, Combi Volks, oh, cool. Volkswagen, you know, a little transporter, two, Type 2, um, which was pretty fun. That's probably initially what got me into, which what got me hooked on, on cars. I did a lot of Volkswagens early on in my car building career. So you were working on Volkswagens, and where did you sort of get <clears throat> the... The Mercedes, the Mercedes, uh, the Mercedes love came came long after. Uh, so twenty, let's see, I was sixteen when I got my Volkswagen. So probably close to uh, fourteen, fifteen years later, I got a Mercedes. And in between there, I had done a lot with cars. Um, I just I had a ton of Volkswagens, and then I got into a lot of American stuff. Um, there was sort of a group of friends in my late teens and early twenties back in Las Vegas who they were all doing the same thing. You know, we were into old, I think I had a 60 Bel Air two door hard top and 64 El Camino, 68 travel all. Um, my buddy Sean had a Cadillac, a lot, a lot of low rider stuff too, like yeah. Impalos and stuff. Um, so that's, that's, that's probably when I was, um, Definitely full full speed in it was my like early twenties, but I was going to college at the time and I wasn't I had no plan on like being a car guy. <laughs> Where were you going? I mean, <clears throat> were you, so you weren't it wasn't you weren't going to UEI. You weren't no, you weren't going no. to McPherson. No, I uh, I was at the time. You know, I started out. I started in college back in Las Vegas, and my dad. Uh, I, I wanted to leave Las Vegas right when I turned eighteen, but. Um, my dad basically gave me the offer of, you know, if you do a couple of years of college here in state and show me you you want to stick with it and you like it, then I'll I'll help you go anywhere you want to go. I thought he would at least be saying, just give it two more years. <laughs> Vegas gets so much better once you hit twenty one or four more years. Oh man, no. <clears throat> um, yeah, no. My dad he didn't let me go near the gaming industry. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah, they just you know. My parents are pretty protective in that regard. I mean, my dad wasn't much of a, you know, he was was a pretty easygoing dad, but he definitely didn't want to see me end up in Las Vegas, you know, working at a casino. It makes sense, and and rightfully so. So what, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you... Yeah, back then I wanted to be, uh, I kind of wanted to do some type of engineering. I wanted to do, like, environmental engineering, and I was torn between that and, like, English, like literature and writing, so... Um, so you were still going down the mechanical route. I guess so. Yeah, I, I was. And then three or four years into college, I swapped majors to finance and stuck that out for another three or four years. I swapped majors again. Uh, I was full-time in college for almost nine years. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and I ended up in Austin, um, going to school in Austin, Texas, my buddy Sean and I, who actually, coming full circle, I work with again now. 20 years later um yeah we ended up in austin texas and that was a great that was a great place to be at the time going to school there so then how did you how do you go from austin texas and <laughs> financing and writing yeah uh, and 
being mechanically inclined right. uh, to go, hey, I'm going to do full restorations or, on Mercedes. Or, right. Uh, there was, you know, there was probably another gap in, of time in between there, but uh, eventually I was just one semester away from finishing my finance degree, and this is all kind of unrelated to cars, but um, I think I was one semester away from finishing that, and I went on a program called Semester at Sea, mm-hmm. and it's like a, you're on a ship that circumnavigates the, the globe, and, you know, it's, it's a floating campus, basically. And there was a season of say by the Bell about this, so I'm, uh, I'm very... What, was there probably, I'm yeah, very aware yeah, of, okay. of us, what Semester yeah, at Sea Semester is, at but, Sea, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was, uh, it was a... It was probably the best thing I had done at that time in my life. I well, was it sounds, 25. Yeah. yeah, you were living on a boat, seeing the world. Yeah, I saw the world. Um, as obnoxious as that sounds, uh, I got to go around the world, and uh, it changed my kind of changed my perspective on what I wanted to do. I came back and was like, "Do I really want to do math and finance?" And, you said, uh, "No, diesel mechanic." Yeah, I know. And then I uh, bowed out of that, and then um, yeah, eventually I I graduated with a a few minors in business, so my business side did pay off, and I have a degree in uh, human communication. Okay. Yeah. So then you you have a shop out in the valley. Right. You have Mercedes motoring. Right. What, when did you, what, what was the sort of aha moment of, right. this is what I want to do? Yeah. So that one's pretty easy to, to pinpoint. Uh, I was working in Orange County. I made my way to to California, left Vegas and uh, and Texas, and and ended up in Orange County in in Costa Mesa, and actually in Laguna Beach at the time. And I was working for a company that I really just uh, man, I had a what everybody else I thought thought I had the best job in the world. I had uh, I was the operating director of a company out there that restored custom beach homes, and they they gave me one of these homes to live in as part of my pay. And, you know, I did really well and I lived right on the beach and things were great, but I pretty much had an office job and, uh, I was kind of losing my mind with that. Um, as great as the pay and everything else was, it just wasn't my thing. And so I just pretty much dropped out of that. And right then and there, it just kind of hit me. I just thought, I, at that point, I had been into cars for like 15 years. And on the side, this entire time, I had been building cars. And that's what I loved from day one. And I just thought, why am I like fighting, you know, trying to make a career out of something that I love? And so I I sold a little nest egg that I had at the time, which was a 57, 23-window bus. Mm-hmm. And I took that money and started Mercedes Motoring. How long ago was that? That was 2003. Wow. Yeah, 12 years ago. Do Wait, you, is that, that's crazy. 12 years ago. <laughs> it is weird when you yeah. say, when you think of something being in now, I guess, the mid-2000s. Right. And then you go, that was a full decade ago. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about, and this is completely unrelated to cars, but we were talking about music, and I was thinking, that was... Ten years ago, I was I listening to that band. I know, uh, and but even I mean, you look at look at a Ford GT from two thousand five. Right, that's now a ten year old car, yeah, and and it is a yeah, car that is a highly sought after right. car. Right. Um, no, it is interesting. You, you know, you think ten years ago sounds like this, like whoa, ten years ago. But yeah. uh, when you start thinking back on it, it's it's really like you know, I mean, things are things are still pretty relevant. But, every yeah, ten years yeah. that go by, yeah, you go. 
<laughs> it gets even quicker, I guess. Right. Yeah. As it's starting to, oh, yeah, to go on. As I get older, man, I, you know, T- the ten years are going by quicker eight, and yeah, quicker. Yeah. What um, now you, what? Why did you decide this sort of era Mercedes? And for people who don't know, mm-hmm. sort of explain sure. the the Mercedes you restore sure. uh, and sell. Uh, we we don't really limit ourselves ourselves to much from um in the sort of classic mercedes uh benz era or market but we do focus mostly on cars that are generally from the late 60s through the mid 1980s and specifically we like diesels um although we do all the mercedes models we we build all of them but uh the majority of our business is is uh our, our diesels so like the 300 d's you see a right. lot of the tds right or the CDs even, mm-hmm. all, um, all those. or the two forty Ds. Yeah, but uh, you would even do like a like a two eighty SE, right? Or uh, a Cabriolet two eighty. Correct. Yeah. Any, pretty much any chassis. You know, like like you know one hundred eight and one hundred nine chassis. Um, some of the one eleven stuff. Occasionally, we have a one thirteen Pagoda right now. Um, and I imagine a lot of that <clears throat> stuff is uh, pretty interchangeable. Yeah. I mean, you know, they all have their um, differences, but you know, it's yeah, it, it's it, the the mindset and engineering of Mercedes Benz crossed over with all the models. So, you know, for example, I have a 1962 uh, 300D Adenauer in the shop right now, which is a car I've never put my hands on. They're they're ultra rare, mm-hmm. and you know, I look at it and have a pretty good sense of you know, how to take things apart and put it back together, even though I've never done one. Yeah, we had um, Bodie Stroud, <clears throat> oh, who's yeah. a, a fabricator. Yeah, high Ohio. respect for, for He's Bodie. a yeah. great guy, and yeah. but he is known for, you know, 60s cars, right. muscle cars. Right. And he was telling me he was doing a, a Lamborghini 400 GT. Yeah. And I kind of said, how do you how do you go from like, a, right. you know, a Starliner to a, a 400 GT? He goes, at the end of the day, it's just metal. You know, just... <laughs> Well, sure, yeah. You, for you him. strip it all down. Yeah. It's it's just metal. It's That's just true. paint. It's just bodywork. Yeah, and I went. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know, sometimes I mean, if somebody wants to do a Concor restoration on a, you know, pedestrian bare minimum two forty D or a highly sought after, you know, two eighty SE Cabriolet, like in the end, you're you're still doing the same the same stuff. You know, interior and paint and building motors and all that stuff. So. Uh, it's, it's it's funny that um, some of the cars we build um, that take a lot of money and, and restoration costs are not uh, really the stereotypical, you know, classic Mercedes-Benz cars. Well, that and that's sort of what I was getting to is, yeah. you know, 300 SL Gullwings right. make sense to sort of do a concourse. You <laughs> right. wouldn't want to do anything but a concourse restoration right. on them. Um, and, you know, and the the... The SLs are moving up in value, and the 190s are moving up in value. Yeah, uh, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but a a 300 diesel is not a necessarily a collector's car. It's, right, you're not going to see that on the lawn at Pebble. Right, right. Um, but they're they're liked. Is there yeah. a market for a fully restored diesel? Yeah, we. I think there is, and um, I think it's probably in the station wagon category mm-hmm. uh, and i've been wanting to sort of build some of those you know like just full-on 
complete restoration, you know, station wagons. I haven't, I haven't done any of that yet. Um, I mean, we, we've done rotisserie style stuff, different, different models, but I think there is a market out there for it. But, you know, our, our philosophy, I mean, our cars are all as nice as they are there. They really are used as drivers almost every time, uh, people buy my cars because they're going to use it. And as opposed to a collector car, that's generally in someone's garage and they, they take it out occasionally for whatever the use is. But, and your cars are not, they're not cheap because you, you'll see a lot of right. four or five, $6,000 Mercedes of that era. Right. Um, so what sort of sets what you guys are doing and what you're building and the stuff you're finding, what sets it apart from right. the Craigslist cars? Right. Um, I think, geez, you know, the, uh, besides just the, you know, the obvious restoration, uh, costs and time and whatnot to go into our cars. Yeah. Uh, I think the the appeal to a lot of my customers is that, you know, my cars are in the, I don't know, I'm guessing the, if I had to average it, like the $30,000 range. And, you know, when my customers really you know, open their mind to an older car, whether they've had one before and they know a lot or, or they don't, um, they start seeing the value in, a, a, you know, a low mileage, semi-restored diesel from the 70s or 80s because, uh, you know, it's it's ultra safe and reliable. I mm -hmm. mean, as reliable as they come, you, you can drive them like a new car. Um, they're appreciating. They're cheap to register. They're cheap to insure. You don't have to smog uh, them. You don't have to smog which them. Which is great. Uh, they get good fuel mileage, and they they hardly depreciate. And you know when and when we get them, we're we're already kind of handpicking the best stuff we can find. So, you know, for example, if we find a a three hundred D, I'm just gonna throw numbers out there, a nineteen eighty two three hundred D turbo diesel sedan that has really low miles. It's got forty thousand original miles. Uh, you know, we're gonna pay big money to acquire that. And it still goes through the same restoration process as the rest of them. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times people think, you know, when a car has 40,000 miles or it has 10,000 original miles or whatever, that there really isn't anything to do. To do and that's, uh, that's you know, one of the biggest misconceptions about yeah, what they, we do. They've they, been sitting and rotting. Yeah, they, they sit or they, uh, you know, they, you know we, still, we still disassemble them, you know, I mean, we highly disassemble them for cleaning and, and restoration, repair, fixing all of this and that. And uh, we do a ton of mechanical work. Um, we generally do things like new wood and a bunch of powder coating and, you know, polish and painting, stainless steel hubcaps and, and so on. So, uh, you know, buying a five or 6,000 car on, Craig, on Craigslist, uh, yeah. that car, to bring one of those cars up to the standard of what, we do is it's it's next to impossible unless you have an unlimited budget i mean so you look you try to find the best example pay right, a premium right. and then that would equal less restoration costs it equals less in terms of of uh throwing parts at it so for example like you know it's not going to come with a cracked dashboard so we don't have to you know take a dashboard out and, re and replace that or um you know the anodized aluminum probably is in good shape and and things of that nature but we still uh we still go through and we do thing you know we do a lot of uh we do a lot of of little things to our cars it's just a long list of sort of fit and finish work you know we try and stick with original paint and original interior mm -hmm. and original drivetrain those those things we do that's just about every car 
comes, you know, original with all those things. But then we, you know, then all the little stuff is what we, is what we restore and change or repair. And did you, did you, do you see, uh, is there one area of the world that appreciates these cars more? Are they, do you do a lot of local sales? Do you do a lot of international sales? Most of my sales, I've never actually charted that, but um, I'm just going to guess here. I send a lot of stuff to the East Coast and to the uh, Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. but really it's all over the United States. That's where most of my business goes. You know, Two or three cars a year go to Chile or Poland or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we do international cars as well, but most of it comes right here and actually... Not a whole lot right here in California and Los Angeles. I've always sort of marketed myself outside of California. And um, there are people here like that find out about me in their own backyard and they get super excited about it. So, Well, I got to tell you, it, it is true. <clears throat> and when I first came across your website, I, I think the first time I saw it is I have a friend who his daily driver, he commutes from Long Beach up to L.A., is a, a 1980 300 TD which is uh, just a, you know, we're throwing out a bunch of numbers and letters, but it's a yeah. station wagon. It's, yeah. a, or it's a Mercedes diesel station wagon. Right. Um, and he showed me, uh, I think, a YouTube video you did. Okay. And then when I looked you up, I went, this guy's local? Yeah. This, I mean, this seems like a Seattle, Portland, uh, <laughs> right. Washington-type Mercedes, you know, yeah. very, very vibe of, or East Coast. It's it's right. not a Los Angeles thing. Um so, but, and then one of the things that's very neat about what you do is you do a lot of road tripping in your cars. Right. You, so what are some of the the better places, I guess, <laughs> you've driven your, your cars to? I think that, um, you know, coming full circle there, I think that's almost why we don't really market ourselves much in California is because um, when I seem to find a car that's within a couple hundred miles of LA, it doesn't excite me as much as when I find one in Maine or something. Cause yeah. I instantly think like road trip. Um, and you know, the further, the better for us. So, um, you know, we've bought a couple up in Alaska now and driven them back and, um, yeah, r- road, the road trips, um, are definitely, you know, the lifestyle side of, you know, what we do is, is definitely the most exciting for me. Um, there are a lot of great i think i think one reason why we've been successful is because people see the use of the cars and we kind of like uh we we take them we take them out on the open road and and travel all the back roads of america you know like for example uh you know find i'll find a car and somewhere in wisconsin my buddy sean and i will fly out there we'll get the car drive it all the way back to la and we usually try and make pretty fun road trips out of it and i think that you know there are a lot of there are a lot of really great builders out there uh, great car builders out there and um i think what sets us apart is that um we experience these cars for their their functionality and their use the same as uh we do it for our daily jobs of building them do you ever want to sort of expand because you you kind of try to get it to as close um, as you can to like a showroom stock. Um, do you ever think about maybe doing a customization or maybe sort of a, a best of both worlds with yeah. new parts, uh, in an older body? Yeah, we've, we've talked about all that. Um, 
one thing I'd like to do is sort of, uh, we, we want to call it like the, the lowercase Mercedes motoring where it's just more daily drivers, um, cars that, um, are a little more ap- approachable to, you know, I have a ton of friends that come to me all the time and say, Hey, do you have, do you have a wagon that's like 12 or 15,000 instead of, you know, 35,000? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've thought about that, um, just because I, I like the idea of being able to offer more to people that want these cars and that can't afford some of them. And then uh, what probably even intrigues me even more is the customizing. Um, I like the idea of taking, you know, something old and modernizing it. And we have some, we have some pretty cool plans in the works for that. We have, uh, I'm crossing my fingers that this comes through, but we have a short wheelbase 600 that we mm-hmm. are, uh, that we're planning on putting a new blue tech diesel in. Um, we have, uh, well, I have my own personal station wagon that's somewhat custom. Uh, you know, it's kind of the shop wagon, but it's a pretty Frankenstein car at this point. And, what uh, what makes a Frankenstein? Uh, it originally came as a 250, uh, automatic 250T. Uh, the T actually stands for touring or tourism. Yeah, a lot uh, of people think yeah. it's turbo. Yeah, people mistake that one for turbo, but uh, the T is the, the signature for the wagon. So I had a 250, 1979 250T, and I don't know of any other. They're very, very rare in, in the U.S. It was a European model, and uh, mine was sitting out in a field all busted up for like 20 years with a blown motor, and I brought that in and brought it back to life. I had a uh, I had a donor 280E engine with four-speed trans, so I was able to um, kind of marry those together and... I lowered it and did a few little, few little customizations, and I have some other some other plans for it. I've got a little sort of patinaed redwood floor I want to put in the back and a little rack on it, and um, and some other stuff. So, I I I think there could be a a a viable market for modern Mercedes parts, old, you know, sort of a pro touring, uh, you know, where they do a brand new. Uh, Corvette motor and an old Camaro, but right. I, I pitched Jonathan Ward on this idea right. from Icon Motors, and yeah. he sort of laughed. And then he said <laughs> it was a good idea, yeah. and then he proceeded to go have fun with that, yeah. <laughs> which was do that and do you know go to like a like a Gail Banks who you know is a professional diesel yeah. engineer, do like a you, like you said with the Blue Tech yeah. brand, brand new. And I'd like to collaborate with somebody on, on one of those. I talked to Jonathan not that long ago. He called me and he was, he had a customer that was, that was looking to, uh, build some 108 or 109, I guess any 109 chassis, I think he wanted to, to do. Um, and he was going to modernize it and I, I didn't know if he ever found one. I was going to help him source one. I don't know what came of that. And then I heard of someone else who was, who was building one just recently, um, blanking on who that was, but, um. Yeah, I mean it's. I think it's becoming more and more common. I think there are guys, it is. there are guys like Jonathan Ward out there, and um, I'm not going to use Singer or any of those other guys, but but just the idea of you know all kinds of modern components on an old car. I, I'm I'm really partial to the sort of patina beater stuff. I, I love I love it. You know, I love them when they're uh, the original paint's all burned up, but yeah. you know, everything else is nice. It, it, it's a neat and, and I, it's so funny because it's so a counterpoint to 
Mercedes. Yeah. Because Mercedes, you just think the nicest, most elegant, most, <laughs> you know, sort of highfalutin right. <laughs> to put it. But, it, but I mean, that is what Mercedes is. But right. then people remember is these are mechanical masterpieces and right. they are engineered, overly engineered. Yeah. I mean, you look at like a 600, you... I I can play around in our 600 all day long and just go, I, I cannot believe the <laughs> quality of craftsmanship that yeah. went into this sort of thing. Yeah. So it makes sense that, yeah, when they're worn down and they've been sitting around for 20 years, yeah. they still will work and they, they're bulletproof and they won't die. Right. What um, I'm surprised you... there's not more customizing going on in the, the Mercedes world. I, I see it more internationally uh, in the European market than I do here, but, um, yeah, I, it's coming. I, I feel it coming. I, I, I either, you know, with guys like me or, or whoever out there that's, I haven't heard about yet that's wanting to do it. I, I, I think see it as, coming. as people get older, it's, you know, it's all the, the collector cars keep moving up a generation and yeah. generation. And, you know, my friend who loves his Mercedes and thinks it's, and people stop him. It's in a very kind of unique aqua blue okay uh you know we'll talk to him and it's a beach car and i go what, what year is that again uh, an 80 <clears throat> oh an 80 probably pastel blue yeah it's a yeah very light mm-hmm. light blue and i go you do remember i you know carpooled to hebrew <laughs> school in one of these you know they weren't yeah. they were weren't always cool cars they were right. you know Oh, the yeah. weird mother's yeah. soccer van car. Totally, yeah. When I was a kid, I mean, the last thing I wanted was an old Mercedes diesel. Oh, if you had a Mercedes yeah. diesel in high school, you you got like your grandmother's <laughs> passed away and yeah. left you this car yeah, that was a burden cool. to you. Right. Do you ever want to do anything outside of Mercedes? Do you want to, you know, sort of go back to your roots and yeah. and get into different things? Yeah, I've I've uh, I've been thinking about it lately about just doing some personal stuff for myself and. I hope none of hope none of the Mercedes geeks out there take it the wrong way because I still love Mercedes Benz, but it's just like anything in life. I mean, I'm so interested in so many different. I have such an appreciation just for cars in general, and um, yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that a lot. What I want to build next? That's uh, possibly not a Mercedes. I haven't had a Mer- anything other than a Mercedes Benz in twelve years, and I've had hundreds of them by now. So um, just like anything, you get a little. I don't want to say burned out on it because I'm certainly not burned out, but I, I'm, I, I am interested in other stuff. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. And yeah. If anybody wants to check out uh, JG's website, go to MercedesMotoring.com. Yeah. Uh, you have tons of photos, <laughs> very cool photography, yeah. uh, and very uh, neat photos of old Mercedes. Does anyone tell you you don't look like a car restorer? <laughs> um. No one's ever said that. I guess. Okay, so but, it's just me. So yeah. it's just me being horribly insensitive. But no one, no one, no one says you look like a car restorer either. So there are people yeah. who, uh, to go back to the Bodie Stroud. Yeah, he looks like he works on cars. Right, and and yeah. I mean that in the most complimentary way yeah. possible. Well, I walked in here, and the first thing I said is, "Can I use the bathroom?" Because I was wrenching this morning and had yeah. filthy hands. So I I did uh, wash my hands. <laughs> you you, yeah. you you don't give off the. Um, monster garage vibe of working on cars and and once again like to buddy like to you i do mean that in a compliment yeah so check out mercedesmotoring.com uh it is if you're into diesels the you know w114s and the 
Was it 108? W115, W116, W123, W126. <laughs> Any of the W's. Uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of diesel. Check it out at, at uh, MercedesMotoring.com. Yeah. JJ, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, AJ. That was super cool. I appreciate it.